Church, I'm so excited to share this message with you. The title of this sermon is Shake It Off. In case you can't tell, we are in a studio here in Seattle. I've got about 30 of my closest friends, and uh, we're excited to have a moment studying scripture, but also to share this moment with you. And uh, it never ceases to amaze me every time we go to the supernatural storybook that has been called the Bible for thousands of years. Uh, we see Jesus in a fresh and new way. And I think that's going to happen here. I want to tell you a story and then just make a couple of observations about that story. That's all. And uh, we're going to inset and insert ourselves here in what is now called Acts 28. Of course, there were no chapters and verses when it was originally written. It was just one big, long story about the, uh, the first Christians and the first churches that form in the known world. By the time we get to Acts 28, there is this guy named Paul who used to be Saul. He's had a radical conversion. He hated Christians. He hated anyone of the way. Uh, he so hated followers of Jesus that um, he hurt women and children in the process. This was a man uh, who was a murderer. He was not a good person. And God transforms him. And he becomes not Saul, but Paul, and is used to write more than half of the New Testament and plant probably more communities and churches than we can necessarily even count. By the time we get to Acts 28, he has been on a lot of missionary journeys. He's planted a lot of churches, and he's on an island called Malta. And a very, very interesting uh, little story unfolds. Let's start reading Acts 21, excuse me, Acts 28 and verse 1. After we, were, after we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island that we landed on was called Malta. Do you immediately think of malt milkshakes? I do. I just admit I see like Frosties from Wendy's immediately. Malt. Um, the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it began to rain and was cold. I love these details. It's like, we don't totally need this, but it makes for a great story. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, I mean, this guy's clearly a murderer. He's escaped the waters, the shipwreck, the sea, but justice has not allowed him to live. In other words, he's being judged. He is damned and he is doomed. He must have done something really bad. The court of public opinion is in play very quickly. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting. You guys got to see this video someday. They're just waiting, watching Paul, waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down and die. When they waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds, the court of public opinion. And they went from, you are damned and you are doomed to you are divine. How quickly did that happen? You're not being judged. You are the judge. You're not a murderer. You're a God. And the next verse, now in the neighborhood of that place where lands belong to the chief man of the island named Publius, most awkward name in the New Testament. 
there's no reason other than to read that just to let you know. And we're done. That's it. I just wanted to read Publius because it is the worst name in the New Testament, maybe in the whole of the Bible. But anyways, shake it off. Um, we're living in the times we're living in. And I wanted to say we're living in unusual times, but who's ever said differently in their point in history? And the point is, or the reason for that is, um, no one's ever been this far before. Yeah. We're all collectively living in the unknown. Yeah. No one's lived 2021 before. Yeah. No one's been this far in human history before. Now, there are some similarities. People groups have lived together in certain points of history, and they've all done what we're all doing together at the same time, though we've never done it before. And that's called dying. We're all dying together. At about 18, we all start dying together, okay? Our cells start dying, okay? Uh, I got a haircut today, and the uh, Joe is his name, amazing guy. It's the first time he's ever cut my hair, but I know him. He's, a, he's a, just a really great guy, also a golfer. And Joe <laughs> said, wow, you have a lot of gray hairs. And uh, thanks, Joe. Because uh, we're dying. We're dying. And I've never died before. I don't know about you. I've never died before. So this is new. I've had a July before, but not this far along of a July. I've never been this far into July, like this July 2021. I've done July 2020. I've done a July called 2019. I've even done a July called 1988. Some of you have no idea what that's about. <laughs> right? I've, I've, I've done a July in 86. I did a July in 79. I did it, but I've never done this July. Have you? No. So we're all in uncharted territory. We all have never been this far, ever been this, never, never met a July like this one. So in reality, we're, 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 we're all doing something that quite literally is, is unprecedented. And I think to an extent, we got to give ourselves a little more credit, yeah. a little more credit. Everybody acts like this has happened before. What's happened before? This hasn't happened before. Oh, and by the way, I've never been 42 before, but I am right now. This is also new, and yet we pretend like it's, like it's not. Um, cancel culture. I said the other day during a sermon, I was like, if one more person talks about cancel culture, I'm going to scream. Like, okay, we get it, all right? Uh, and the only reason for that is your topic of conversation can really direct your emotions. And so you have to be careful. You talk about cancel culture too much. And you're not going to be real encouraged. You ever heard that scripture, sing psalms and hymns, make a melody in your heart, one to another? Like the Bible talks about what community should do. We should get together. And it literally means like, if you need to sing to somebody, I love you. Oh my gosh, I'm singing. You know, like, I've heard that somewhere. Um, we're supposed to encourage each other, right? So bear with me for a moment, but we're, we're living in a culture right now that is, um, it's very critical. It's obsessed with categories and it's obsessed with canceling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Think about what that's doing to all of us. We're all critical. Like I said last sermon, like I said last time we talked, like, you know, hey, have you heard the news? <laughs> what? Right? And we're all kind of on edge. We're all jumpy. Right? We're all feeling like it's just a critical environment. Right? And now they're saying the Delta variant. It's resurfacing, it's getting worse. What if it happens again? And we're all critical. We're all on pins and needles. And then we are 
So quick in the information age to put people in categories. God doesn't do that, but we do. Heard a song recently that said, you're, you're not like us, God. Mm -hmm. I thought, boy, that's about one of the truer statements I've heard in a song in a long time. Mm -hmm. My ways are higher than, my, than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I am not like you. I'm not like you. God is beyond our understanding, but we like to be critical, categorize, and then cancel people. And I think in this environment, the question is, how are we supposed to live? Yeah. How are we supposed to live? I want to cancel people who cancel people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Dr. King taught us about this. Hate's too burden, too far, too great of a burden to bear. You can't hate people who hate, but then you hate. Can't cancel people who cancel, and you cancel. Right? So. But that's what I want to do. I mean, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm sitting here with the critical, categorical, canceling culture that we're kind of all playing a part of, whether we like it or not. It's like, I notice the trend of, and the trajectory of conversations that I'm in. It's like, this cancel culture is terrible, right? And you hear, you know, believers, men and women of God, they're like, man, it's cancel culture, man, it's cancel culture, man, this cancel culture. And I'm like, we're talking about more about cancel culture than we are about Jesus culture or love or, you know, whatever it might be be so well, how are we supposed to act how are we supposed to act um chelsea and i were on a bike ride the other day and um every once in a while i'll run into church home members particularly in seattle a little bit in la but more in seattle it's a smaller town and it's all right hey how are you? And we're on this bike ride and this couple are walking with their dog. And I'm always like, if I'm on a bike and someone's walking, I always like, slow down, you know, because I don't want anyone to yell at me. Um, I'm such a pleaser, you know. And I always like, if, if you have a puppy or a dog or, or no, nah, I don't slow down for cats, but I'll like slow down. I'm like, oh my gosh, look at your baby. That's amazing. Right, like I'm, I'm, I'm into it. Um, and I kind of slowed down on this bike ride. Hey, and riding by and this guy goes, Judah Smith. We love you, man. Thanks for all your, your hard work. Thanks for everything you do. And I'm like, oh, man, thank you. And inside, I'm like, should I stop? I'm like, I really want to go get a coffee. So I didn't stop. Um, I pedaled faster. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I had like six or seven minutes left of the bike ride, you know, to get the coffee with, with Chels. And I was way ahead of Chels. I mean, she's, she uh, doesn't ride like I ride. Um, <laughs> But for the next six or seven minutes, I had this conversation with myself. It's amazing how many encounters I can tell you about verbatim when the same thing happened on a bike ride or in a mall, walking in a neighborhood and someone's like, Judah Smith, sell out, da -da -da -da, right? I can tell you about all the encounters I have. Someone confronting me in front of my family at a pool, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank you, please stop. <laughs> and, like, uh, and I noticed while I was driving by that I was like, oh, that was nice of him. And almost immediately put it away and just keep driving. And I thought to myself, Judith, you fool. Are you like me? Do you feel sometimes like everyone's against you suddenly? And you're like, that's just not true. In yeah. yeah. wherever you are in the world and whatever you're facing, isn't it amazing? How the critical, categorical, canceling, cultured people who insert across your path. Oh, yeah. 
oh yeah, well you. And that's what you go to bed going, why they said that? I'm trying it. Jeez. And that's what you focus on. And all the people are like, I love you. Oh man, good to see you. How are you? Dude, you're always such a great countenance. I love your smile. It's amazing how we forget all that and we obsess over. I don't know what it is. Yes, I do. It's called our nature. It's our nature. And we can see this in scripture. So this brings us to what are we going to do? Because here's the reality. The court of public opinion used to be in play for people on platforms or people in the public view. Have we noticed that the orientation of this game has changed dramatically? You don't need a following anymore to be uh, assessed by the court of public opinion. We're all subject to it now. We're all in it now. Now, if you're like me and you do anything public facing and you're like on Instagram live or whatever, you're like, okay, I hope I don't say anything dumb. I don't know, wait, what, uh, you know, or what's behind me, what's happening, right? Because there's so many things that people will be offended. Come on, before these cameras turned on, you can tell. I've had a little, the last couple of years, I've offended a lot of Christians, okay? Let's just call it what it is. And there's a part of me that just kind of wants to be like, well, well, fine. I'm, I'm just going to like, just leave me alone, right? Like, I, I just want to love my friends and love my city. Like, just, just stop being mean. And, and here's what I can tell you. Prepare yourself for an incredible news. Life will happen to you. And y'all know what I mean? Everybody watching know I mean? It, you, you're going to get bit. Here's the facts. You're going to get bit. Now, if I was the pastor who had biblical precedence to tell you there are, there are a couple of things you need to do to ensure that life never takes a bite out of you, I'd teach it. I would. If, if I could tell you, here are three ways to ensure life never takes a bite out of your heart, your soul, your brain, your values, the people you love. Here's how you ensure everything is safe, everything is secure, everyone likes you, and everything goes well. Are you ready? I don't have that sermon. It's not in the book. The Bible says, Paul, he's not Saul anymore. If Saul got bit, we'd all be like, yeah, he should. (laughs) Somebody put more snakes on him, right? Like, this dude's killing women and children. But the snake bites him when he's the apostle. The snake bites him, like, when we see him at the end of his ministry. This man has got some wins under his belt. This man has done some damage for Jesus. And the Bible says he was doing some pretty basic stuff that I would actually, by the way, I'd like to say, Paul, if you can pick up sticks and add to the fire, every other preacher I know should be doing some more basic stuff too. You know, like it's good for preachers to pick up some sticks and build a fire, right? So Paul's doing some real good, simple stuff here. Picks up some sticks, trying to add fire. Why? Bigger fire, more warmth, more people can be by the fire. This is great. He's doing something good. He's holy. He's godly. And the Bible, well, you know what? I was going to say the Bible doesn't tell us why he gets bitten, but actually it does. A viper came out because of the heat. That's why. 
Allah, now, listen, I could preach the metaphor of this and I could tell you how vipers come out when things get hot and it turns up in the culture and spiritual heat and here comes the viper and here comes the, the enemy of your soul. I could do all of that, but let's just let it be what it is. The snake came out because there was a fire. It's called nature. It's called the circle of life. I'm kidding. It's, it's not. It's actually not. But it's like, I don't think it is, man. You know? But in other words, the viper just came out, man. The viper is not Satan. Come on, the viper's not a demon. The viper is not like everything is not the devil coming against you. Sometimes it's just a snake that was already in the woods and wants to get close to the fire and you are in between the snake and the fire. It is important for us, it really is, to look at this passage and understand that life happens, right? Here's, if I was Paul, here's what I would do. I would hold up the snake dangling from my hand and I would go just like this, I promise you I would. God, why? I served you. This is how you repay me on Malta. Oh, God. Are you like me? Like, everything is like either God or Satan. There's no in-between. God's like, son, I, I made snakes. My bad. You know, like, not my bad. That's unbiblical. You know what I mean? But, like, like the, it's, it just happens. And I want to say this. I... I think sometimes we do need to be spiritually king. We do need to be and be like, man, this is, this is an attack. This is resistance. But sometimes it's just life. You missed the stop sign. So the other car clipped the front of your car. And now you got $6,000 worth of damages. But here's the good news. You're alive and okay. You know what I mean? So at no point, apparently Paul's theology is informing him better than ours. Because he literally, his theology isn't, God, why? He's like, take that thing off. Yeah. And everyone's like, no, that's a different kind of spirituality that we're not familiar with. So you know where I'm going. What I'm about to try to tell you for the next few minutes is that the court of public opinion that is now sharing its thoughts about all of us via technology. Here's my message to you. Shake it off. Now, shaking it off when it's a negative is one thing. But the next part of the sermon is not going to be as convenient. So let's, let's go to the most convenient part of the sermon. The most convenient part of the sermon is all the haters in your life that you can just shake off. Now that'll preach, won't it? <laughs> All the people that say you're going to be judged, the way you've lived, what you do, how you act, God's going to judge you. You're carnal. You're fleshly. You're not good enough. You're not godly enough. You're not Christian enough. I can't believe you wear that. I can't believe you speak like that. I can't believe you act like that. I can't believe you have friends like that. You know what you are? Oh, 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 you know why you got bit? Because you ain't living right. Boy, that, that sermon will preach because people drink that stuff up. It's do good, get good. That just makes sense to people. You know why? Because you haven't been tithing. Somebody find in the Bible, New Testament, 
where tithing keeps you from financial challenges. Tell me where that is. Tell me where that is. I tithe because I like to tithe. I believe in tithing. I believe there's a supernatural blessing that comes with tithing, but that supernatural blessing doesn't necessarily have anything to do with my finances all of the time. By the way, tithing for me, that is the 10% of my income that I give to church home. That tithing that I do is more than anything, it's me telling the 90% left, you don't own me, rule me, control me, direct me. You are not my purpose nor my passion. I don't work for money. Money works for me. I work for Jesus. Right? So, so, but we, we teach people like, well, if you do this and then if you do this, I'm going to tell you, you could do this and do this and still get bit. And the question isn't, how do you not get bit? The question is, when you do get bit, what are you going to do? Because when you get bit, everybody's going to have something to say about you. I knew it. I knew it. Now, I could go, I could go down that, that wormhole of real disgusting things we say to one another. People, tragic things happen in people's lives. We're like, well, you know. Oh, God. There is a time to speak and there is a time to be quiet. Do not be Job's friends. It's not worth it. Just be like, yo, Job, I don't have any idea what's happening right now, but do you want to get a burger? <laughs> like, it can't hurt, bro. Like, while you're going through hell, I could buy you a burger. That's about all, and I could pray for you. But don't sit around and be one of Job's friends telling everybody why they got bit. Because here's how fickle it goes. Oh, you are being judged. Shakes it off. Everybody stands back. I love how the message Bible says. It says they jumped to conclusion and said, no doubt he's a murderer, he's being judged. A few minutes later it says, and they jumped to another conclusion, and that is, you're God. <laughs> you're God. And my point is, shake it off. Come on. Shake it off. Not just when the haters... Talking about the praisers, too. Oh, well, you know, you know why you're so blessed? I, 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 I don't know. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> you know what I figured out? You're so blessed because you do this, 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 and this. And everything inside of you is like, right now, conditions are ideal. I kind of hope that's true. You ever notice that? Like, I don't want God to relate to me based on my performance. Except when my performance is awesome, <laughs> right? Like, and then I want him to. I have real select performance rewarding with God. Now, Lord, I'm a tither, but I, I failed to tell God that I'm an exaggerator too. You ever done that? Like, Lord, I'm a tither. You should bless me. It's like, Lord's like, but you also have a lying problem cloaked in exaggeration, right? Like, isn't it funny how we... I just can't understand why this is. So wherever you land with the court of public opinion, shake it off. Shake it off. I love this about Paul because nowhere in this story does Paul say to the people, the public opinion. He never says, no, no, I, 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 God's not judging me. I'm a man of God. This viper came out of just because vipers like heat. <laughs> This viper doesn't know I'm Paul. It's, a viper. it's just a viper, guys. And everyone's like, oh, okay. Keep explaining yourself. This is awkward. No, he just... He gets bit. No words are spoken by Paul on record. He just shakes it off. Shakes it off. Now, I read this and I go, 
Is this alluding to the fact that Paul understands Jesus in a way that I don't so that if Paul was living in 2021, Paul wouldn't be online going, what did you say to me? <laughs> oh, you meant that? Put my little pseudo name on there, nobody knows. Right? Like, would Paul just, would Jesus falsely accused? He, he didn't speak. Remember the king was like, you have nothing to say, Jesus? I have the power to crucify you or not. Now that'll get God to talk. He said, what? You have no power unless I gave it to you. I could call a legion of angels to be here in a moment. You're fooling yourself. What's your name again? Talking about you have power to crucify me. Now, that's when God spoke up. But the accusations, Jesus just sat there silently. And so did Paul when it came to being bitten. And they said, you're God. Paul didn't go, I am not God. I am a broken man just like you. I know you think to yourself, I look like a superhero. I know, but I'm not God. Right? And I love, like, like, humility can become a sneaky form of pride. Oh, I, I'm just broken, brother. I am nothing. By the way, People who talk about brokenness and talk about humility tend to give themselves away. Yeah. <laughs> Just be humble, man. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just not thinking about yourself. So truly humble people rarely are like, I'd like to teach you about humility. They're just, oh, wow, thank you. There's this moment in King David's life, if you remember, his, he's got these uh, ragtag group. Remember this ragtag group that in the cave of Adullam and G David's having a tough time. We won't get into all the details. Anyways, David's got a gang and the gang is not the brightest, the best and the sharpest, but they love David. They're like loyal to him, to a fault. And David says to some of his guys, you remember this? He's like, oh, there's this well that I love. It tastes, the water tastes so wish I could have that. So everybody goes to sleep. Some of his dudes are like, let's blow David away and let's go get him some water. It's surrounded by the enemy armies. But while they're sleeping, we'll wiggle our way in through the enemy's encampment. We'll get the water, sneak out and get it to David. It'll blow him away. So they get the water. They come back to King David. And I don't know if it's the morning or they wake him up. I can't remember. And they hand him this water. And they're like, King, we got you the water because you're our God. Or with you. And David takes the water, and the Bible says he pours out all of the water. Now, I'm like one of the guys, I'm like, <laughs> you poured out our blood, man. We risked our life. David's like, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't get drunk on this drink. I can't get drunk on your criticism. And I can't get drunk on your praise. If I drink this cup, I am digesting your praise as my own. I can't do that. And you look at his words, he pours it out, and he's like, this, this, this space is reserved for God. I'm just a guy. So when it comes to, and here's, here's what I've learned, here's what I've learned, here's what I've learned. A lot of us want to start by shaking off or pouring out the praises of people. No, 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 no. But that's not where it starts. 
What I have learned in my own life, my opinion, is when I learn to shake off or pour out criticism, Mm -hmm. that sets in motion a practice that helps me also shake off the praise. Mm -hmm. It's rarely the other way around for me. I rarely am getting praised going, no, thank you. No, thank you. And then get criticized and go, no, I know what this is. I'm going to let this go. Now, criticism prepares you for praise. It really does. Because you're like, no, no, no. And then here comes the praise. And I will tell you, between the two, I wish I could tell you I took in the praise more. But like I said a minute ago, my nature is I take in the criticism a little bit more. But the message to you and me today is pour it out or shake it off. Do not digest it. Do not give your attention to it. Do not meditate on it or make it the topic of your conversations on a regular basis. I am fatigued by everyone's talk of the haters. It's Okay, we all have them. Congratulations. We could all do a song like Drake. Okay, we all got haters. And that's awesome because it makes for great music. Okay, like and all the people that, you know, whatever. But that's, that's not our nourishment. That's not our nourishment. We're just human beings. So we shake off both. Now, again, they work in tandem. Use them together. Play them off of each other. Praise and criticism. Just, just, and if you don't receive either one, I promise you, it will enable you to be who you are. Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words of Paul. I am who I am by the grace of God. I am who I am by the grace of God. Paul says, I labored more abundantly than you all, yet not I, but the grace of God through me. It's him. It's always him. So I relinquish the criticism and the praise. You're just human. Couple, couple, couple observations about being human. You're dependent, you're damaged, but you're also destined. Okay, so you're, every human's dependent. We're all dependent beings. I love saying this. Who set their own birthday? And who set who your parents were? Not you. You are a completely and utterly fragile and dependent being. Yeah. So when everybody wants to criticize you, you be like, I'm just dependent like you, damaged like you, praise you, I'm dependent like you, damaged like you. But I do have a destiny. It's a word my dad used a lot in the 80s and the early 90s. I have a destiny I know I shall fulfill. Anybody remember that song? Okay, Chelsea does. Fantastic. (laughs) I have a destiny in that city on a hill. Okay, anyways. Okay, so shrapnel from my Christian journey in the 80s. I'm kidding. It's not shrapnel. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful song. You have a destiny. You have a destiny. You have a destiny. Not so much a destination, but you have a direction in your life. Hold on a second. There's a reason you were born. Please hear me. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily what you get money for. It's the way God made you. It's the way he made your brain. It's the way you learn. 
It's the way you see the world. It's the way you think about the world. It's the way you speak to your friends. It's the way you speak to your loved ones. It's, it's, it's you being you and you, you matter and you're important and, and, and the role you play and the part you play and you wait. Yeah. Oh, you're dependent. You're damaged, but you, you have a direction. You have a distinction. You, you have a calling. You have a, a plan. Wait a minute. You hold on a second. Like, wow. And if I've learned anything about this life, the people, when you get bit by life, who jump to conclusions will never help you in your destiny. Did you hear me? Everyone around you that jumps to conclusions when you get bit in life will not help you in your destiny. Please hear me. Now, here's what God is so providential. God will take people that don't help you and he'll just let them help somebody else. So don't get it twisted that if you change friends or allow some distance, that somehow you're giving up on somebody. God is their keeper. And the same God that loves you, loves them, and will put them in an environment where they will flourish. But for you, you have a direction. You have a distinction. You have gifts, abilities, callings, brilliance about you. There is something brilliant about every person watching us. There's something brilliant about everybody in this room. You know what will keep you from being your brilliant self? He's believing the fodder around you that you are either divine or disgusting. You are neither. You are dependent, you are damaged, and you are destined. And you are distinct, and you are unique, and you are you. There are so many literal, practical practices that we can put in play, but I wanna end with one more story. I wanna end with one more story because I think it kind of puts a bow on what I think I need to do and what I think you need to do now that we stand in front of this perpetual public opinion. That will never go away in our lifetime, by the way. I love how people are like, well, maybe it'll get better. I don't know if technology is going to make people better. <laughs> and I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. I, I just, I just, I, I just think that's the way it is. I don't think we're going to be like, oh my gosh, technology is suddenly taking a turn and we're all better for it. <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't think so. Now, I think God's going to use it and he is. And it's amazing. But I think there's a lot of really sadistic, really hurtful things happening to human beings via technology. And one of them is we're starting to believe people we don't even know. Yes. Don't even know. Well, you know, you're being judged. Really? God's mad at me? Yes. The, the loss you experience is because people losing babies, people losing loved ones, people losing jobs, people losing full function, functionality of their body, People look, and I've heard over the years, so many Jesus followers tell people, well, you know why that happened. Well, if you wouldn't have slept with her before you were married, now you don't have to deal with the consequences. Babies are not consequences, they're blessings. All babies, you hear me? All babies, all babies. 
okay? God help us. No, no, I'll say this. At least this sermon can do one thing. Keep you out of that court called the public opinion court that wants to enlist you and sign you up full time. Whatever you do, don't play part in that. Don't play part in that. Don't accept it for yourself. Just shake it off. Shake and shake it off literally means that Paul just didn't give another thought. Give it another thought. Shake it off. Stop it. Why am shake it off? And you got to get around people who know how to shake it off. You got to get around people. You got to you you got to be around people that edit themselves. Man, did you you know? Nah, man. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna say that. No, no. What is it? Nah. These are the people I'm looking for. I'm looking for the people who I insist. No, no, tell me what you're going to say. And they go, no, 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 it's not worth it. Let's go. Come on. On with life. On with destiny. On with purpose. On with the plan of God. I'm not giving anybody any more of my precious energy. Because I only got so many days to live. And life is a vapor. Here's the truth about opinions. Everybody has them. I am not obligated to receive everyone's. I'm not. There's a structure for this church. We've got a board of elders. We got a lead pastor council. We got a doctrine council. We got a financial team. Guess what? All of those people get to tell me whatever they want about the direction and constructs of this community. But it kinda doesn't go much further than lest. I get caught in the court of public opinion and start to believe I'm something I'm not. And everybody's concerned about being a bigger deal than you really are, but, but actually, I think what I struggle with is thinking I'm so much smaller than I really am. Is that okay to say? I know we're supposed to be broken and humble, but I'm I start to believe that I'm, 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 I'm off. I'm in air. I, I'm, I'm not good at this. I can't do this. It won't happen. This is the beginning of the end, and all of these things are happening in 2021 because. And I go down this spiral, and what's wild is Jesus never says these things about me. Just a few people, in most cases, I've never met, and I let somebody fool. Alabama, somebody from San Francisco. I had to do West Coast eggs. Somebody from Maine or Miami or Portland or San Jose or Arizona. And I'm I'm just, oh, please don't think that. And I got babies to raise. I got a beautiful wife to live with. We got church to love. Shake it off. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well said. And I end with this. John chapter 8, there's this story, and I never quite seen it like this before, but I'm done. There's a story of this woman who's actually discovered while in the act of sex with a man that's not her husband. Now, the emphasis of the scripture is on the woman because that was the uh, uh, unjust view and order of the day. The woman was to be stoned and killed, no mention of the man. In fact, the man was probably had a rock in his hand about to do the killing. Don't get me started. 
okay? Complete the tables. The, 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 the injustice is horrific and nauseating. So these men, these, these, these pompous, self-righteous men, they, they, they think they're going to stump Jesus and they say, Jesus, you see this woman right here? She don't have any clothes on. She's in the dust. We caught her having sex with a man she's not married to. What will you say? Jesus says, well, he writes in the dirt and then he gets up and he says, well, whoever doesn't struggle with sin themselves or have any sin at all, please feel free to assume the position of judge because there's only one criteria being the judge. You cannot judge what you yourself struggle with. He's the judge without sin. So he's like, oh, you can be the judge. You just have to be perfect. Anybody? And at least these arrogant men had enough sense to be like, yeah, it's kind of a deal breaker. So they drop the rocks, they go away. Much more we can say, Jesus is in the dirt. And he says to the woman, from what we can tell, he's in the dirt now. They're both in the dust. They're both in the dust. And Jesus says, um, where are your accusers? Where's the court of public opinion about you? Where'd they go? She looks up. She says, there's no one, Lord. And I don't get me started, because I'll preach a whole sermon about how Jesus can clear the air. He can clear the air. He can clear the air. I can't clear the air. Your mom can't clear the air. Jesus can clear the room. Jesus can clear your slate. Jesus can clear your soul. Jesus can set you free, past, present, future, from the oldest to the youngest, they drop the rocks. Jesus can do that. Jesus can do that. He says, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Have you, have you, have you gotten drunk on the court of public opinion? Has it started to dictate your daily emotions? Are you starting to wonder if you struggle with things people say you struggle with, even though you know you don't necessarily struggle with it? Are you, are you confused by people who talk about you? Are you confused about old friends or relatives or old high school friends who DMing you and Facebooking you? And are you like, man, maybe, did you post something and someone was like, whoa, wow, must be nice. Live in large. Everybody else is struggling. Guess you aren't. Has that kept you up at night? Jesus can clear the air. And notice what he says. He says, she says, no one, Lord. He says, I don't condemn you either. I don't, I'm not mad at you either. I'm not mad at you either. Have you been online? Have you been trying to defend yourself? Have you been online? Have you slept at night? Have, have you fallen asleep at night thinking to yourself, maybe you are a superhero? Maybe you are greater than you realize? Have you thought to yourself you're better than other people? Do you feel elite? Do you feel exclusive? Do you feel more moral and godly than other people? Do you feel like your political persuasion makes you better? Have you taken it in? Do you listen to all of your Republican friends? Are you soaking in all of your Democrat friends and all the rhetoric? Are you soaking it in talking about, I'm the best Republican, I'm the best Democrat, I'm the best moralist, I'm the best, I'm the smartest, I'm the brightest. Is there history you know that nobody else knows? And now you know and everybody else is like, man, you're the smartest, you're the best, you're the brightest. Have you started to drink it in? I can promise you this much. You drink it in, it'll be one tyrannical partnership you will have with this fickle world. 
as it tells you things, none of which are true. He says, where did everybody go? I don't know. They're gone. He says, here's the good news. I don't play with those guys. I don't say either. I, that's not me. Now watch what he says. Watch what he says. Go. Man, if I had time, go. Which means, get up. Dust yourself off. Shake it off. This act of sex does not define you, and I won't let it define you. This success won't define you. I won't let it define you. They say the saddest person in the United States of America is a former president because the former president knows that that person will never be at the height of the power they once were. I would like to disagree with that. The offices of this land do not dictate the value of an individual human being. This ain't about the job you hold, the title you hold, the renown you have or don't have. Jesus says, that's not how I see you. I don't see you as the woman caught in adultery. That title was given later by church translators. That's not her name. That doesn't define her. But it's not just your defeats. It's also your distinguished accomplishments. They don't make you who you Let them go. Let them go. Shake it off. Jesus says, go. Go? Who says go to a woman with a sex problem? Go. Jesus, you might not tell her to go. You should go tell her to stay. (laughs) Tell her to go away, not go. Go, and from now on, this is the words that only Jesus can say. From now on, this is pre-cross, pre-resurrection, so he's pointing to the resurrection and to the cross. He's from, from now on, sin no more. It wasn't possible at this time, of linear time and space. It wasn't possible to sin to stop sinning. Stop sinning was not made available yet except through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So Jesus is pointing to the cross, but he's also telling us something. The message here is not so much sin-focused. After the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, it's now no longer about sin consciousness it's about Jesus consciousness so this this sentence now turns into this go and never live another day without me that's actually what it means go and don't spend another day without me let me dictate your day let me give you value let me give you distinction Let me speak to who you are and who I made you to be. Don't let your defeats, don't let your shortcomings define you. Go! I want to say this to our church. Go! What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for conditions to be perfect? Are you waiting for your family to all love you? Are you waiting for everybody in the church to celebrate you or not criticize you? What are you waiting for? Time is of the essence. Life is a vapor. Life is short. I'm 42, and I was 22 a second ago. I'm 42, and if y'all allow me, I'll be here for another 17 years, and then I am retiring faster than you can say Jesus Christ is Lord. But until then, I'm just going to be here, but but, but we got to get going. You hear me? We got to get going. We got to get going. 
I'm just, I'm, I'm shaking it off. Conditions will never be ideal. We got to get going. I know everybody's saying things got to get back to normal. I don't know about that, but we got to get going. I'm over normal. I don't even know what normal means anymore. We just got to get going. We know who we are. We know what God has called us to do. What are you called to? What are you gifted to? What are you talented to? Let's go. And obviously, you can kind of tell where this message is coming from. It's coming from my own life. Everything within me, man. Isn't it wild? The court of public opinion can give you a red light or a green light. And everything reads red right now. Stop, stop, stop. Say nothing. Because you know nothing. And everything's new. And everything's wild. And everything's, what, what is this virus? And what is this variant? And what's going on? And are we going to be okay? And by the way, I mean, don't, I, I can't even tell our church that I'm vaccinated because people are like, you don't have faith. And I'm like, I didn't know vaccination was a thing either. I didn't know, I got vaccinated as a baby. I kind of saw it as the same thing, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. This vaccination is uniquely different. This vaccination means where you fall politically. It means where you fall spiritually. I'm like, I didn't know. I just got vaccinated so I could see you all. I'm sorry. You know, like, ah! I got people warning me like, hey, on the Instagram live, don't tell people you're vaccinated. And I'm like, ah, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep up. I, don't, I didn't know it was offensive. I'm so sorry. I didn't get the Johnson & Johnson. I heard bad things. You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, I like their Band-Aids and stuff, so I don't know. But listen, all the conspiracies, all the things, like, listen, it, it's so real, and, and, and there are a lot more smarter people than me, and I'm down. Like, please, let us know what it all is, and who's doing what and what's going on. I, 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 you gotta understand where I'm coming from. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Or you gotta go, I, I, I gotta go. Go where? Wherever he wants us to go. Where you gotta, you gotta go. I, I asked somebody, I said, what do you think is the most operative word that Jesus ever said post-resurrection? And their answer was go. It's like, once he defeated death, hell, and the grave, it's like, green light. Remember that game? Green light, yellow light, red light. <laughs> it's like, God's like, green light, go. Go. Wait for me in Jerusalem until you are empowered from on high. I will send my spirit, and then you will go. And you will be my witnesses. You will tell people what you saw and experienced. Not what you know and read, but what you saw and experienced. And you will do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And God told me years ago, I'm going to ask you to pastor a church that's an ends of the earth kind of church. Seattle is our Jerusalem. Los Angeles is our Judea. We're going into Samaria, and then we're going to go into the ends of the earth. And we're going to go, and I can promise you this much. We're going to get bit on the way. Yeah. We're going to get bit on the way. I figured out who doesn't get bit. Whoever dies first. Whoever dies, you stop getting bit. For the rest of us, Let's live and let's go. And when the vipers come out and it got nothing to do with Satan or demons and all of our grandmothers will pray for us and that's awesome. But 
stuff just happens sometimes. And we just go shake it out. Let everybody tell us why it happened. And we'll know some of it just happened. Just happened. Shake it off. And then they'll say, oh, you're a God. It's not. We know who you are. I was damned a second ago, and I'm divine now. I think I figured out the court of public opinion. It's, it's, it's one word, fickle. Yeah. So I don't got no time for that. Where are all your accusers? Where is everybody talking about you? There's, there's, there's no one here. There is somebody here. It's me, Jesus, and I don't do any of that stuff. I just love you. So get up. Dust yourself off. Get on with the life I called you to. Oh, and by the way, never leave home without me. I will help you along the way. I know I'm talking to somebody, and I'm done. I have preached long enough. This is supposed to be a 30-minute message. <laughs> Set every message I've ever preached. <laughs> But I know there's some people acting like it's a red light from God. And God told me to tell you it's a green one. It's time to go. It's time to go. There's going to be a place where we'll stop going. And that's called eternity. But even there, we'll have the unfolding manifestation of his grace and goodness. But that's my dad used to say, son, until eternity, we all got a mission. We all got somewhere we gotta go. And some people we gotta love and take care of. So that's what we're gonna do. And I'm gonna say this about Christianity. We're turning a corner right now, and I could almost cry, so bear with me. We're turning the corner, and here's the corner we're turning. Without knowing it, the traditions of the modern 21st century megachurch, some of its distinctions became, you need to come to church. Hear what I'm about to say. You need to come to church. You need to come to church. And listen, I'm a local church pastor. What do you think I'm going to say? I'm going to say to all 30 people in this studio and everyone watching, thanks for coming to church. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We forgot to tell everybody. Christianity isn't about coming to church. It's about going with Jesus. Yeah. It's about being in church. Yeah. Where are people hurting? Where are people broken? Where are people dying? Where are people hurting and broken where there's no cameras? And there's no popular trend or hashtag. Because we don't need popularity or trends to do what we do. Where is there a plague? Where is there a pandemic? We've been busy asking God where to go. He already gave us some real clear answers. There's some things I don't have to pray about. And that's hurting humanity. That's my calling. That's your calling. Your fellow man, that's your calling. So let's get going. And God forbid that I would not go because I'm too busy analyzing why I got bit. Am I the only one? I am using the energy I should be using. And there's some staff members in here watching this. The energy, I, the precious, you don't talk about precious energy. And the older you get, 
Come on, somebody. That energy gets more precious because you only got so much. In my 20s, I was like, energy? I don't talk about energy. 30s, I was like, energy. 40s, I'm like, energy. You know, like, oh, God. But you only got so much. I keep telling myself I can use energy to answer everyone who says I'm being judged and everyone who says, says I'm divine and I'm hurt, everyone I'm going to use, and then I'm also going to go, and I realize I can't do both and all at the same time because I got to use that energy to go. Yeah. And I got to go wherever he says to go. Whatever he says, we just got to go. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know I'm preaching to somebody because I was going to stop like four minutes ago, but I haven't stopped yet because somebody needs to hear this. It's time to go, you hear me? It's time to go. God doesn't condemn you. God does not share the opinion of the court of public opinion. He knows who you are. He made you. He designed you. He fashioned you. He put you together. Let's shake it off and get going. Come on, get going. In your marriage, let's get going. With your kids, let's get going. With your loved ones, let's get going. At your workplace, let's get going. I don't have time to waste any more energy. It's time to go. And from now on, don't live another day without me. Wow, 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 wow. Jesus, I thank you so much. God, we are down here in this place called Earth. And you don't need me to tell you that. But I would like to remind you while I'm also reminding myself that stuff happens down here that just don't doesn't make a lot of sense. And we've all been bitten by life. We've all tried to make sense of it and change our behavior. And we, but now we know that some of this just happens. It's not to give any more energy or emotion to this court of a public opinion. Oh God, help us get going with you. Help us get going with you. I don't know who I'm talking to that's watching or anyone in the room here, but um, there is uh, a scripture in the New Testament. I don't have the passage, but it says, I believe it was Paul writing to Timothy, and he said, what you had determined and decided to do a year ago, you need to finish the doing of it. And I feel like God is telling me to tell some people watching right now or in this room, you made a commitment to do something about a year ago, and God is telling you, it's time to complete it and do it. It's time to go. And I wanna say this as your pastor, and I can say this with emotion, but, 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 but I feel like the days are changing. And this idea that you need to stay in a particular location for a particular church is also changing. Church home can go with you, you hear me? Church home can go with you. This community can go with you. But some of you need to change states. Some of you need to change countries. Some of you, your change is for your children. You hear me? It's for your children. It's for your children. And it's uncomfortable and it doesn't make sense, but you go. But you go. But you go. But you go. Go. And may the Lord be with you. For he surely will. 
And what you have determined to do, God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can think, ask, or even imagine. For you will surely see in less than a few short months, God will open doors that you could never open on your own. But you hear me, God is about to shut doors that you have asked to open, but he will close those doors so you will see the greater opening. The greater opening, the greater. For there is a great and effective door open here. There are many adversaries, Paul said, but a great and effective door is open. And we will do nothing short of walk through it. Walk through it. Whatever that threshold is for you, whatever that doorway is for you, on the other side of that doorway, it's not the fulfillment of all of your dreams, but it's satisfaction that you've taken steps with your Savior. That's all. The runner in the chariots of fire said when he ran, he felt the pleasure of God. For as you go, you will sense the thrill of God. You will, you will, you will. For it thrills him when his children follow him. But I assure you, God will never ask you to go where he himself is not also going with you. You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. And if you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus provides, only Jesus, only Jesus became sin. Only Jesus could pay for your sin and mine because he had no sin. If you'd like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, wherever you are in the world watching, just lift up your hand right now. God, you see every hand and every heart, and I thank you. Your forgiveness flows freely. Son forgives and sets free. They are completely and totally forgiven and free. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.